Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On today's show, Urban is gone. When and where does he return? And Hugh Freeze, can we get him back in our lives, please? All right, welcome to the podcast. Dan Wetzel, joined by Pat Forty and Pete Thamel. Big news today, of course, is the quote-unquote retirement of Urban Meyer. Or at least retirement from Ohio State after seven seasons in Columbus. Won a national title, 2015, the first playoff. Uh, went 82-9 and nine overall. Crazy. A whopping 57-5 and five in the Big Ten, counting the championship games. 7-0 and versus Michigan. 6-1 and versus Penn State. Uh, and even in that year, they lost to Penn State. He got the, got the last laugh by getting the, in the playoffs over the Nittany Lions, who actually won the Big Ten that year. That was a classic. Total domination. No question about that. Ryan Day, 39-year-old offensive coordinator, Filled in for Urban during his suspension. He's going to take over. Uh, look, I don't think any of us or anybody who should who listened to this podcast should be too surprised. Talked about it all year. He looked horrible. He's bent over on the sidelines. He's rubbing his head. Uh, it's possible that he wanted to look horrible because he was planning on leaving and then citing health issues is, makes it easier. I don't really believe anything Urban does or says. So you never know. Uh, later, he even revealed his health issues. That was a clear sign. And then, to me, the capper was at the Michigan game when his wife and kids were crying on the sidelines, uh, which certainly said to me uh, that this was it, last game at Ohio Stadium. So didn't know if he'd do it now or after the Rose Bowl, but I don't think it's a big surprise. Meyer is out at Ohio State. Start your USC 2020 speculation. <laughs> Uh, Pete, you're on this. Help break it. You're in Columbus. What do you think? Well, it's uh, it's there's there's a lot happening. I, I have enjoyed that uh, the two media interviews have already done. The first question was, "Will Urban Meyer be back?" <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like oh, we've we've digested the news for uh, for about twenty minutes, and breakfast is over. So, is he uh, is he coming back or not? Uh, but I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's interesting. I. You know, look, like there were times last season to put in perspective where Urban Meyer is with his health that I would talk to people in that building and they'd be like, man, that guy's not quite right. Not in the way Urban Meyer is normally just a little bit uh, a little bit hyper focused and a, and a pinch crazy. But physically, he hasn't been right now for two for two full seasons. And we saw that on the sideline. Uh, he was not good during the Penn State game. He wasn't good during the Indiana game when he dropped to a knee and had doctors look at him. He obviously looked awful in the uh, in the Maryland game. That was uh, that was certainly well uh, well noted and, and recorded. So I I really think that this is not yeah again people listening to our podcast certainly shouldn't be surprised. People following um, once he kind of dropped the breadcrumbs that showed the extent of his uh, of his health issues. I really think that. Was a was a was a glaring sign to uh, to folks of where uh, you know of of where he was sort of headed and in, in, in what direction he was uh, in what direction he was going. Uh, I do think too, like this is a pretty clean ending for him. Seven and zero against Michigan. The transition to Ryan Day, you know, will likely be smooth. 
he doesn't leave his kind of cabinet, as you would call him, the operations director, the recruiting director, the personnel director, the strength coach, who's his best friend. They're all still in place. What he's built and created can be carried on here. And, uh, you know, the, the buzz as this was being kind of bandied about was, can this be a similar success to Bob Stoops transitioning to, to Lincoln Riley, which has obviously led to... Uh, which has obviously led to two straight uh, Big Ten titles. Uh, I'm sorry, Big Twelve titles for the uh, for the Sooners. So, um, I, it's hard to pinpoint the retirement on on one factor. I, I think there's myriad factors. Um, I also think too, Dan. Like he didn't want to step back and be Mac Brown and be a CEO and sit back and let everybody do the work and be like Dabo and not know if they're running or passing on third and four. That's just not how he's wired and and who and who Urban Meyer is. So yeah, that's a that's a long rambling uh, answer to your question of of the factors that led to this. Pat, what do you think? Not surprised, but it's still pretty remarkable. I think when you get to this point that a guy who's fifty four years old and you know still very much operating a program at the top of his game is walking away. We don't see that in football very much. You see guys. You know, you see guys like Bill Snyder going until they're 80. You see Nick Saban going into his late 60s. When you're that successful, you, you keep going. Uh, so this is unusual. Uh, Dan, I think you're right that there is reason to be at least doubtful and skeptical about everything with Urban. Uh, there has been so much drama with everything involved with Urban Meyer. And that's part of what I wrote about. It's just he's, he's very melodramatic. He's narcissistic. He's a bit of a diva. And so, you know, it's constantly been this churn of stuff around him. You know, when he wins, the world is great. When he loses, it's complete agony, and maybe he's going to die. And uh, in between is, you know, there, there's off-the-field stuff. But players at Florida with Zach Smith at Ohio State and how much that kind of does complicate, I think, the legacy here, uh, which is it was difficult trying to write a column on his legacy because there's a lot of stuff you've got to include. So... Uh, it's a it's a loss in terms of <clears throat> a great coach, uh, but it's not a a pristine legacy that he walks away into the sunset. And yeah, I have a feeling he'll eventually be back because he's too good a coach and too young. And eventually, he'll, I, I suspect he'll coach again. You know, I I just find that it's interesting. This to me is the second best coach of the era. You got Saban, and then you've got Urban. Three national titles at two different schools. He also had an undefeated season at Utah during the BCS era. Wasn't allowed to play for the title. Who the heck knows? He had Alex Smith as his QB. Um, and then he had an undefeated season at Ohio State. They had a postseason ban. Uh, that's, you know, so three titles and two other undefeated seasons. He wins and wins and wins. Innovative, like dominating. And yet when he steps down, it, it's like college football is like, yeah, like there's no like, wow, we're going to miss him or what? Like, there's just no retrospective. There's nothing. It's just all like, ah, he's faking it. He's, <laughs> he's got this. He's got, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. And I, I don't, I agree with it. Like, I think I've told, I think I've told this story before. I don't know. But like, I remember talking to Urban when he got back to Ohio State, I was in his office and he was talking about, you know, the year in 2011 when he's, working at ESPN and he's looking for a job and then, you know, Ohio state comes up and I said to him and we were just talking and, and I said, well, you know, I know you were interested in Penn state too, if Paterno retired and Paterno of course, eventually was forced out and the Jerry Sandusky hit, but at the beginning of the 2011 season, you know, you didn't know. And, and I, I 100% know for a fact, urban talked to a bunch of people at Ohio at Penn state, you know, what goes on here? You know, it's not, it wasn't an interview, but it's just sort of like, I'm out there. And he looks me in the eye and he just goes, I was never interested in Penn State. The only job I was possibly interested in coming back for is Ohio State. That's it. No other job. And I'm like, I, I, I know you like were, why wouldn't you be interested in Penn State? Like, it's not like a bad thing. You weren't even working. And he was just adamant. And I was just like, why tell that story? Like, what is the point of being so... And so I think it's like when he's sitting there, God, oh, I'm done. Like, I don't have a problem with him saying, man, I'm burnt out. I'm not feeling good. I'm going to take off, take a year off. And he and and he comes back in a year. I don't even blame him. Be like, hey, I, I'm refreshed. USC's open. It's easier recruiting. I don't have to travel as much. Makes total sense to me. But, you know, 
he turns everything into this like just over the top stuff. And I think like fans and everyone's just college football in general is just like, all right, you know, here comes the big retirement, but is it really a retirement? I just think it's kind of an odd deal that nobody trusts, nobody believes them anymore. And it's like, if we just are looking at football, like this should be like this huge thing where everyone's like, Oh my gosh, you know, one of the great coaches are gone. Uh, instead it's just like, uh, it took one second before everyone's like, yeah, who's he, t- is he replacing, you know, Clay Helton or is it going to be Brian Kelly or is he going to go to the Browns or what is it? What's his real motivations here? It's, it's his own doing, but it's just an oddball deal with it. Pete, do you think he uh, coaches again? I don't. I really don't. And maybe that's like patently, uh, patently naive of me, but just in conversations I've had with him the, the past two years, like this was a th- this was a, s- a slow buildup, and even before this, obviously, you know, tumultuous uh, tumultuous summer. Uh, he's always maintained, and I guess they all do, right? That he he didn't want to coach, you know, into his you know d- deep into his sixties. Uh, I-, I guess the variable here will be how does he actually handle the free time? He's not a guy with a lot of hobbies, although he did just start picking up golf uh, in the in the last year or two. Uh, it's difficult to replace that run out of the tunnel, right? Like, you know, there's no there, there's nothing in life that can that can replicate that. I, I remember doing a story a couple of years ago on Bayheim, Shashevsky, Patino, Roy Williams, all these guys, you know, kind of in their twilight and they won't go away. And a coach gave me a, a quote. He said, uh, they're all crack addicts in the gym is their crack house or they're all addicts <laughs> in the gym is their crack house. And I, I, I do feel like that <laughs> that applies to, you know, a cross sport like you can't replace that. And. It'll be interesting to see how in other facets of life, like I was told that he may do something with Ohio State. I'm sure he'll be the special assistant athletic director for fundraising and stuff at Ohio State. He has a very good relationship with Gene Smith. That relationship stayed strong. It would it, it would be, I think, a little foolish of Ohio State not to take advantage of him in a fundraising capacity and such. But he does enjoy the leadership aspect and the mentoring aspect. And I do feel like there'll be some role carved out for him to uh to to do something like that but is that fulfilling enough that's the question uh this is a a telling anecdote um from the year he was out i guess what was that 10 uh 11 11 11. 11. yeah i would see him on the road because he was doing games and so i remember uh sitting in in tuscaloosa it was uh it might even been like the night before that uh the 9-6 game actually and uh just did you know one of those dingy hotels in Tuscaloosa? We were just sitting sitting in the lobby, and that was funny. Nobody recognized me. The Yankees hat pulled down over his head, and we were talking about TV and the media and just whatever, just kind of shooting the breeze. And I asked him what he thought of you know TV, and he's like, you know, I like it. I like preparing for the games. I like watching the film. He really enjoyed going around and spending time with the different coaches and picking their brains. Like that was all good. And he's like, you know what I don't like? He was like. At the end of the game, I look at my chart, I throw it in the trash, and like there was no investment and there was no involvement to it. And that was sort of his way to show like he missed the the the, the relationships with the coaches, with the players, with, uh, with with everything. I mean, he likes being the heartbeat of a uh, of a big organization. When you're in that building, like if he's in a bad mood, the building's on edge. You know, like you know, all those coaches in the up and down, they call it the longest hallway in football at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. They all like are waiting to see what he does next. He has like them on a yo-yo and on a grip and like coaches in a mood today, you know, coaches in a good mood today, like coach left early today. It's like, whew, it's like a day off, you know, like that. It's just, he has a very compelling presence when you spend time in that building and it's replacing that investment, replacing those relationships. It's replacing that facet and how he goes and does that is going to be, uh, I think is going to be, is going to be really interesting and will will ultimately determine that. But I feel like right now in his mind, he doesn't feel like he can continue to go 120 miles an hour because of his health, because of his age. Look, I mean, the guy's done it at a really high level, you know, like operating in, in a way in which every loss absolutely devastates and guts him. You know, he's walked on this high wire for an extremely long time, and I don't know if he's going to want to get back on it or not. I'm, I'm certainly I'm certainly ne- going to sit here and never say never. Right. But I don't I don't think that's of a, an immediate. I don't think this is like an end around to go get USC in a year. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. I do think he is going to take a breath and a uh, and, and a step away and how he remains busy and finds something to be invested in 
will be, I think, a key to him going forward. I, I don't think he's got a plan like in one year I'm taking the USC job. I certainly don't think he's got anything planned out, but I agree. It's that camaraderie that the coaches miss and uh, the power. I mean, you've been in charge, you know, having everybody bend to your will, you know, from someone getting you coffee to anything you want gets done to everybody. You know, Bill Parcells used to say, like, you get fired and you realize you're just a you're just a a, a, a pebble in the sand uh, on the ocean. <laughs> and you just get, you know, you don't matter. One minute you're the biggest thing in New York City. You win the Giants Super Bowl. Everyone's kissing you, kissing up to you. Next thing you know, you're that old guy. And and that's like why he kept coaching and coaching because you just need it. And so just, man, Meyer does not look like a guy who's just going to be like, I'm good. I'm good. Um, maybe. But I, I agree with Pete that I don't think this is some master plan. I just think he, no. he figures if he gets healthy again and feels good, someone's going to offer you a great job. You're Urban Meyer. So he doesn't have to worry about whether it's – but I could, you know, in one year and it's like, well, if I'm at USC – you know, all my players are in Orange County or L.A. County. I don't have to fly as much. Uh, you know, I, I I could certainly see him coming back, but I guess that's just where we're at. What do you think, Pat? No, I, I, I agree with you. Absolutely. I don't think this is some calculated end run on Ohio State. Uh, I think he probably very much believes that he's done, uh, but we'll see. As you guys said, it's really hard to replace. That's why Les Miles is back. That's why Mac Brown is back. And I do, I, you know, my urban lost year anecdote when he was a TV analyst and I, I can't remember what game he did somewhere in the South. And I did the same game And the next morning, you know, we're getting out on the regional jet at six 30 in the morning and he's schlepping his Florida Gator suit bag, you know, and he's, he's, I mean, it's like, wait a minute, who, how did I sign up for this crap? Where, where's my GA to take my luggage for me? And where's the private right. jet? You know, so it's it's an adjustment, and I do think the adrenaline rush is what they miss the most. You know, I I I expect uh, you know to see he'll probably just see what he can what it's like on the on the outside. Maybe it'll be fine, but you know, maybe he'll be like Dick Vermeil and not come back. But I have a feeling he'll eventually come back. Uh, I'll say this just in terms of like just his future, just to give people an idea of the the roots he's built here. So he's obviously from Ohio. He he now lives uh, in a house on a on a golf course in, uh, in you know suburban Columbus. Uh, it's that really nice course where they play the event here, Muirfield Village. Muirfield. Or something. Yeah, Muirfield. Muirfield. Yeah. So I'm not a golf person. His yeah, uh, it's not just a golf course. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, it's <laughs> Jack Nicholas's golf. Course. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, you know his house is there. Uh, his son-in-law and daughter, Nikki and Corey Dennis, who's the assistant quarterback coach, uh, who's actually very close to Ryan day. They live, I would say, I don't know, very near in the neighborhood, like walking distance. So there's like, a, there's a family base kind of in a camp set up there. His daughter has a successful business in Columbus. He spends time uh, every day with his grandson, who's probably like one and a half at this point. So there are, there are significant roots here that like, jumping up and going to the whatever. And look, there's only three or four places this guy would coach, right? Like he's not going back to like, you know, get Texas tech on, on you know, back on, you know, or whatever, Like you know, fill in the, fill in, the, pick a job that opened in this cycle. And he would not go there, you know, like just of the Louisville. And so where would uh, he go? Where would he go? North Carolina. I mean, USC. Yeah. It would have to be a, it would have to be a top five thumper job. I don't think he'd go back to the sec. I don't think he liked the, the closed nature of just every every move being being kind of watched. Um, I don't know, and that's that's the thing. I I think USC, but like USC Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't think the the Myers would be. Uh, the, I don't think anyone would nominate them for the South Bend Chamber of Commerce. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Uh, in their uh, in in their job, uh, I think he's got a he's got a house in Florida now. Like there's there's a there's a plan in place from a family perspective where you know there there's 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 roots build and in. I don't know. To the people around him, this wasn't like none of this was particularly none of this was particularly stunning, you know. So I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. Look, we'll say this about Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, Pete, we we all probably have varied opinions on on him and what he's done. I give him credit for being the most relentlessly interesting character in college football the last fifteen years. 
from yeah, Utah all the way to today. He's never been boring. Um, he's never grunted one game at a time. He's always <laughs> been interesting. Uh, we've spent more time climbing into Urban Meyer's head than any figure in college football. And uh, I, I thank him for a lot of good copy because he has, he has given us all. I think about how many columns he's uh He's he's given us. He's sort of he's a little bit nutty as we all uh, as we all have seen in the uh, in the past. And so it's been a, it's been a fascinating uh, it's been a fascinating run. And look, we're already like wondering what's going to happen next. And he's been retired for like four hours. Yeah, no no question. Uh, he's great copy. He's interesting. People have opinions. He's great for us. And so I want him back. <laughs> I think my favorite current coach that can't give up is Jim Calhoun is currently coaching like a D3 school, <laughs> right? Right. It's like 76 years old. And he's like, ah, you know, he's had cancer like 11 times. Like it's Calhoun's just like, I don't care. I got to yell at somebody. I got to get out there and coach. I got to teach. This is what it's they a, do. A D3 yeah. school that I believe was a women's college until just a couple of years ago. They just now got men in the college and he just grabs a few of them and makes a team. Makes Classic. a team. I bet they win. That's the thing. I'm like, sure they will. Think of the recruiting advantage they have over the other D3 schools. You're All girls. To a women's college. All <laughs> girls. True. Yeah. Got to make it. All right. Here's Even the... like Wetzel as a sophomore at UMass could have done well. I could have gone down there. <laughs> crossover was vicious, man. Vicious back in Boyd and Jim. Here's the current headline atop the Detroit Free Press website. Merry Christmas, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Myers retiring. Urban Meyer absolutely steamrolled the Big Ten. Like I said, he lost five games in seven years. His worst regular season finish was tied for first. <laughs> okay. He lost twice to my, uh, Mark D'Antonio. Once in the regular season, once in, the, uh, in a Big Ten title game back when they were leaders and legends or something. He lost once to James Franklin, but then, again, got in the playoff anyway. Uh, and he lost to Iowa once and Purdue this year. That's it. Uh, he crushed Harbaugh and everybody at Michigan to the point where everyone said when they lost this time, they just got to wait for Meyer to retire. He's gone. What does it mean for the Big Ten? And Harbaugh, to me, Harbaugh and Franklin – particularly no excuses. Okay. Ryan day did a good job. Ryan day may turn out to be great. He didn't urban Meyer yet. And urban Meyer, a lot's got to change with Ohio state too. urban Meyer could go recruit all over the country. Ryan day is not going to just go in and get the five-star kids out of, out of these places. They had, I think, I think I had, I haven't relooked at the stat, but they have three Ohio players committed right now. Like, I think Ryan Day's got to go back to the trestle and everything else in Ohio. Like, I need 15 kids from Ohio. Then I go get my 10. Where Meyer was just like, I'm getting, I don't care who I am. I don't care if the kid lives across the street from me. If I got to go to Long Beach Poly because I think a kid's 1% better, I'm going to Long Beach Poly and I'm going to get him. So I think a lot's got to change with Ohio State and in terms of recruiting. But to me, it's like Harbaugh. Yeah, it's Merry Christmas to Harbaugh and Franklin. No excuses. Uh, there are combined uh, eight, uh, one and eight against them or something. Uh, they have to now at least win their share. Ohio State's always going to be good, but they, they should not be untouchable right anymore. Right, Pat? Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's this is their chance. Um, you know, I mean, Harbaugh already he flunked the, a big test with a what I thought was at least as good a team this uh, past year, but that was against Urban Meyer as an underdog, most dangerous thing in college football. And uh, now that's a whole different deal. Uh, as you mentioned, the two things that are going to be hard to replace for Ryan Day to me, he's got the acumen X's and O's, no doubt about that. It seems like he has a very good relationship with the players, but can he handle the CEO role full-time at a humongous school with tons of attention and pressure? And then can he go recruit like a monster? And that's the thing. Urban was an incredible recruiter. You go to Texas. He could go to Florida. He could go to California and get guys to come to a cold weather school in the upper Midwest, which has become theoretically harder and harder to do. So uh, that's those are big, big shoes to fill. And, yeah, the opportunity is there. You know, Harbaugh, modernize your offense. 
Franklin, get better, uh, get better depth. D'Antonio, pull your offense out of the 1800s. You got your chance now. They've the the, the opening is there. We'll see what they do with it. Pete, what do you think of the Big Ten going forward? You know, I thought you wrote a great column on uh, Yahoo Sports, Dan, just sort of showing the impact uh, that Meyer had. Uh, remember, you know, remember Brett Bielma being like, we don't want these SEC recruiting tactics. And then like, a couple months later, he ditches out for Arkansas. It was a little bit of a shock to the system. And I think one of Meyer's legacies in the league was that I saw uh, one of the recruiting guys uh, say this today from uh, 247 Sports, who said basically like, Head coaches used to be closers, and Meyer established a recruiting culture of being a nine-inning guy. And so I think that was uh, Steve Wiltfong uh, from 247 said that on Twitter. I'm, I'm stealing his line, but I thought it was I thought it was a good perspective. Like, Meyer was so all-in on recruiting that the, that the league had to get better. Like, you know, look at the facility at Northwestern now. Look at the job Penn State and James Franklin has had to come in to do to catch up. And uh, I'll be very curious if – it is Christmas for Michigan fans next year because I feel like Michigan talent wise drops quite a bit and they're recruiting. If you really follow it and talk to the people that do, you know, once you lose Rashawn Gary and you lose Winovich and I don't know if Shea Patterson's going to go pro or not. Um, it, it, it doesn't feel like they've recruited on that really high, high, highest plane like, uh, like Ohio state has and like Penn state's been able to do, uh, to do as well. So it'll be interesting. They, they have some staff changes there with Jim McElwain leaving. And uh, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like gifting the big 10 to Michigan because of this would be, uh, would, would be premature, but the league though, while spiking under Meyer, I do think has dipped the, the last, uh, the last year or two. And Pat was dead on about the uh, predazoic era of Michigan state's offense. They haven't announced any changes there. I wonder how long Mark D'Antonio has left. I mean, I just feel like, uh, I, I just feel like he's gotten about all one can get out of that Michigan State uh, program. And for as much as people are going to say, like, you know, the urban to USC rumors will dominate next year, I, I think the reality is that James Franklin to USC will be the dominant. You know, when, when I picture in August uh, doing those hot seat lists and coaching carousel stuff, I think that's going to be it's going to be Clay Helton's picture and James Franklin's picture. Now, James obviously is not on the hot seat, but people will be wondering is he, you know, will will he go bounce there and be the guy Lynn Swan pushes the button on to energize uh, to energize that program? I'm, I'm looking at the recruiting because I did mention it. it it's th they have three uh, Ohio kids right now committed. Three. That's it for Ohio State. Like it is true national. I'm looking back. This is just class of 2009. So, you know, uh, peak Trestle. Uh, their signing class per Rivals.com at 14 Ohio kids two Michigan, three from Western PA, right? So there's 19. And then they went and got Carlos Hyde from Florida. And there's one, there's a, two more Floridas and a Texas. And I think they, you know, one kid from Kentucky. That's what they wrapped up. Myers, cur the current class is Florida, Missouri, Tennessee, Florida, Michigan, Indiana, Georgia, Texas, Ohio, Maryland, Georgia, Ohio, New Jersey, Ohio, West Virginia, right? All over. So total change, uh, change in the ball game there. Yeah, I, he he definitely lifted the boat. I mean, the the old bit of like, just gonna we're all gonna get our Midwestern guys, and we're gonna we're gonna duke this thing out. And it's a, it's a it was the whole energy. It was the spread offense. It was the recruiting. It was the facilities. It was just Meyer never takes no for an answer, or we can't do it. Like it's just like yeah, we're gonna do it. And and Michigan had to step up and do that, and and they did when they got Harbaugh. It hasn't worked out, but there's no denying their commitment anymore. You know, and, and Penn State the same way. You know, Joe Paterno isn't there anymore. It's now James Franklin trying everything. So, um, and and yeah, North Northwestern, and I mean even Purdue, right? Purdue's kept a good yeah. coach. So I think the whole thing's gonna gonna grow. Uh, I think the Big Ten is gonna, you know. It needs to give Urban a nice fruit basket or something on the way out. Just because if you remember when he got in there, a lot of the talk was whether the Big Ten could even still compete. You know, they they had fallen behind. Trestle's last really good team in 07 got waxed in the championship game by LSU. Uh, Michigan was at a low ebb. 
Penn State was in the latter years of Paterno, and, and there was really a thought that the Big Ten might be obsolete. And Meyer changed that perception in a big way, and as you said, kind of uh, the ball raised all the boats. Two points here. One is you look back and uh, you, you look at pivotal figures in, in college football history, and in, in, in this generation anyway. I think Ezekiel Elliott and you could argue Joey Bosa too. They came in in the same recruiting class. They came on the same visit. And Zeke is obviously from the St. Louis area. Bosa's from Fort Lauderdale. Now there are a lot of Bosa family ties to uh, to Ohio State. But going and landing those two national recruits, that's the bedrock of that 14 class. And look, if the single most important play in college football in the last decade, I would argue, was that Ezekiel Elliott run through the heart of the South, they call it, against Alabama in the college football playoff semifinal. Um, when Ohio State, which went into this, the four upset top-seeded Alabama, they called it the, the, run, through, uh, the run through smoke. Because Ohio State had control of that game, and that game was slipping out of their grasp. And that was like the Big Ten's declaration, we can compete and we do belong. And they could because of, you know, simply the, the elite players they had. Um, one other thing, though, that I think is worth noting, I remember being at Ohio State during Myers, uh, during Myers' first year and knowing some of those guys behind the scenes from Florida, and they were all kind of laughing. Um, not only did he modernize the Big Ten in a lot of ways, but he modernized Ohio State. I remember just some folks being like, boy, people here aren't used to operating at this speed. You know, Trestle wasn't one to go rock the administrative boat. Meyer hired in a huge staff. All that infrastructure still exists today. But it wasn't like Ohio State was this machine. He brought them along, and then the Big Ten went with them, um, you know, in terms of like having a huge recruiting staff, having a huge strength staff. And he's really pushed Ohio State to embrace, you know, kind of becoming this behemoth like Alabama and other places. And it is kind of weird. He I, I agree. All of that stuff, it changed overnight because we'd all been at Ohio State before and after and all over these programs that said about the Big Ten. They won that national title in 15. Uh, since then, uh, they haven't scored a point. <laughs> uh, Michigan State lost no, 38 zip. Ohio State lost 31 zip to Clemson. And then they got shut out the last two years. And I know that's not why Ohio, why Meyer is retiring, but I do think it, when you go 12, you win 12 games, you go 12 and one or 12 and two, I guess he was last year, or 11 and two, and then 12 and one, and you don't get a shot at it. Uh, it's got to be tough. I mean, it's like you're spinning wheels. And I think that's, and I think that's something the Big Ten's got to worry about because it's like if Ohio State isn't good enough for the perception, it's almost like that 2016 when they put them in despite not being the Big Ten champ. And they sort of said, well, it's Ohio State. We'll put them in there. And then Clemson just waxed them. Perception matters on that committee, too. So the Big Ten's got work to do because I, I know everyone's celebrating around the Midwest, but Meyer was – a star. He was a presence. He did huge TV numbers. You knew when he was there, he's strutting around in his white jacket, man. It's like, look at me. And <laughs> it, that was awesome. You know? And it's like, when you lose those guys, you know, it's like, you know, I, I remember in conference USA, people were happy when like Memphis, uh, Calipari left Memphis. And it's like, no, you want that guy. You got to go beat yeah. him. But like, yeah. when you lose a showman like that, you know, it, you just can't. All right. We got Josh Pastner. He'll do it's Memphis. No, it's not. It's just no offense yeah. to Josh Pastner. But, you know, you want those showmen and yeah, some uh, offense to Josh Pastner. Yeah, some offense, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of showmen and uh, the only other person in college football with equal hair to Pat Forty and LaVisca Chenault has rejoined us. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Bruce Feldman just broke the news, has officially agreed to a deal with USC. So, Pat, wow. your 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 fine mane has competition again. Cliff Cliff is back uh, in 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 USC. Now, where where do you guys think Hugh Freeze is going to end up? Hugh Freeze yeah. is the one I'm <laughs> I'm fascinated about. As are the oh. uh, the red light districts across the South. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, Liberty has obviously been bandied around. Old Jerry Falwell can find yep. some forgiveness for that Hugh. That uh, would be unbelievable, but yeah. very believable. Very believable. <laughs> Are you kidding our, me? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our our friend Bruce Feldman used the term elephant gun to describe Pat's column today to to, to his Meyer column. And I would think that it, whatever whatever gun is bigger than an elephant gun would come out for uh for Hugh Freeze going to uh joining Ian McCaw at uh at Liberty. 
I, it'll be interesting. There, there seems like there's a hint of a little bit of a, a stare down between Greg Sankey and the SEC offices and the notion of Freeze coming back to the league, be it be it at uh, Auburn or be it at Tennessee, where he is already interviewed. And uh, that is some thorny politics. Now, I, I have some empathy for Sankey. Or can you imagine how many headaches that old miss, you know, mess was? There was like they were obviously cheating, so everyone's complaining for all these years. Then they catch him. Obviously, Hugh didn't have anything to do with it if, if you read the report. Right. Um, but all that uh, all that said, um, it was a, just a, the magnitude of that headache to the SEC. You can't even quantify. So if there is some pushback from Sankey and folks at places, I mean, at places like Auburn, like if he goes to Auburn, it would just be perfect. Now, he and Gus are, are old buddies and have worked together in the past, so it does make sense. But like that would be it would be sort of as peak Auburn as we could possibly have it with Bruce Pearl coaching while there's a federal investigation going on into one of his assistant coaches. And then you have Gus Malzahn with Hugh Freeze as the uh, <laughs> OC preaching, uh, preach, preaching forgiveness. Yeah, even by Auburn standards, that would be a lot. That would be a lot. <laughs> I sense another elephant gun getting off the rack. <laughs> Somebody hire Hugh. It's got, I don't know. Man. Yeah, Hugh, we need you this offseason, buddy. We need you back, buddy. We need you back. I mean, first off, Cliff, Cliff Klingsbury working the Hollywood scene is going to be, uh, I mean, yeah. holy cow. Look yeah. out. Holy cow. You know, I'm sure he never, you know, lacked for, say, you know, the ability to get a dinner date in, in Lubbock, but this is just unleashing into the wild. <laughs> the will to, I mean, good God. Uh, I wonder if he's only uh, in his contract where he gets to be on the sideline where everybody can look at him as opposed to being up in the booth. His problem is he's not famous enough though. He, you know, that's like you're famous in Texas. I remember I interviewed once uh, Steve Lavin when he was at, it it was kind of his last days at UCLA. And I went, it was at his house in uh, Marina Del Rey and we're out back. Oh, he's like taking out the garbage or something. I don't even remember, but we're out back behind his little. Dan, I just want to stop and thank you for taking all the hard assignments. It I really mean, was really, a hard assignment. You really take the bullets for uh, the team at Yahoo. It's we a long time that. ago, hanging out with Lavin and in, in, in. But his neighbor sa- stops him and says something like, "Hey, now he'd been the head coach there like seven years at UCLA basketball." And the guy guy kind of says, "Hey, you know, what's your name?" Like he didn't know him, he hadn't met him, <laughs> and he's like, he, "Like Lavin had like more free time. He was he was a." Wasn't going in the office much. He was under direct. I don't know what it was. And he's like, Yeah, you know, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I work, I'm a basketball coach up at UCLA. Like, and he goes, The men's coach? Like, <laughs> he's like, Yeah, I'm going to coach the men's basketball. He's like, Oh, really? That's a good job. Good job. Like in LA, you're nobody. Like, dude, yeah. Yeah, USC football coach. Like, who? Like, dude, that was Robert yeah. De Niro just had dinner next to me, right? Like, you're nobody. Yeah. So. Maybe well, that's why Chip got... Kelly is the UCLA football coach. Yeah, <laughs> Kingsbury's yeah, right. gonna have to work on his pickup lines. Maybe I don't know. I think he'll. Be, I think he'll do all right. But he's not. You know, it's not shooting fish in a barrel like it used to be. You know, and all that. So, all right. Well, we will see. We'll see where Hughes ends up. All right. The trend in bowl games, besides changing sponsors every year to confuse us, <laughs> is NFL prospects are just skipping. Complete out. No way am I playing in this thing. Uh, it was once a big deal. They were seen as traders. It was going to hurt their draft stock. How could you count on these guys? Uh, now, uh, no one seems to really care, except some hardliners. Kelvin Harmon, NC State. Rashawn Gary at Michigan. Noah Fant at Iowa. Nikhil Harry at Arizona State. Justice Hill at Oklahoma State. Ed Oliver at Houston. I think we see that one coming. His coat will be on the sideline, but not him. <laughs> the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Why does Lockheed Martin need to sponsor a bowl? I don't get that one. I get like consumer <laughs> products, but it doesn't seem. Yeah. Debo Samuel. That's an aside. Greedy Williams, LSU. Uh, all of those guys are uh, sitting out. Now, Pat and I discussed this in the past. Uh, but to me, this changed uh, when Christian McCaffrey skipped the Sun Bowl in Stanford. I think once the upper middle class white kid with an NFL dad, probably more than upper middle class, uh, said this is a bad idea. I'd rather heal and prepare for the combo is no longer taboo. So what do you think of the trend, Pat? And what do we make of these bowl games when it's almost like every star player is out? 
Yeah, you know, I think you're right, and we did talk about it. I think you wrote about it that yeah, Christian McCaffrey became the great emancipator for this when a when a when a white kid from Stanford with an NFL dad decided he didn't want to play in a bowl game. All of a sudden, everybody understood. Uh, before that, the kids were just selfish and uh, and bad teammates. Um, it's uh, you know, I I can't blame them. I cannot blame them. I, I would love to see them all play. We cover college football. I want to see the best players play. I want to see good bowl games, but. You know, they're making business decisions at a time when their future is being decided. And uh, after Jalen Smith from Notre Dame had his knee wrecked in the Fiesta Bowl a few years ago, that really, I think, changed a lot of thinking. Now, it's interesting to point out that while Jalen Smith lost a lot of money on draft day with that injury, he went on to, uh, to he's, he's playing great for the Cowboys right now. He is a really good pro. So it didn't ruin his career by any stretch. Uh, so, you know, this is the way it is. And it, what it does is it really exposes how empty the bowls are, you know, what these games are worth. They're just not worth much to anybody other than the people that put on the bowls. Um, you know, it'd be great if if they, everybody was excited about them because bowl season is fun. Um, it's part of the holidays in American culture. And we, you know, we enjoy watching them. We enjoy covering them. We enjoy writing about them. But Again, I can't blame anybody that said that has a viable chance to be a high draft pick that says, you know what, I don't think I'm going to play. Yeah, this was this was the most predictable trend I think we could all ever have fathomed seeing, right? I mean, these are just basically like moneymaker bake-offs. It, ESPN owns a majority of them now at this point. And so, look, these kids have earned their scholarship. They've done what they can do. And I, I agree with Pat 100%. Like, I, I only see this trend continuing and continuing. And I think somebody else said it yesterday, like, we might have said this on all those emails and texts that we send around about the pod that I read so religiously, Dan, that it's <laughs> transformed in two years from like now it's like surprising when they do. I broke the story of Brian Burns, the great Florida State defensive end going uh, to the NFL. Uh, he's a junior who was uh, first team all ACC. And his mom made it a point to tell me she, it, they obviously went five and seven. So he didn't have to play in a bowl. But she was like, just so you know. He would have played in the Dunkin' Donuts Bowl. That's how much he liked his team. He wasn't going to be one of those guys that skipped a bowl. Like that. That's that's where it's turned to. Like the point where she has to point that out as like that's how much that's a sign of how much he loves football. So the worm has turned. It's not coming back. And good for the kids. Go get paid. Is there a Dunkin' Donuts Bowl? No, uh, I wish. Be. I, I would wish. Go You'd to be that. the Grand Marshal, Dan. Yeah, I would go to that. <laughs> That's a New England bowl if there ever was going to be one. Let's do it. Let's you play know? that thing down in like some high school in Fall River or something. <laughs> some high school. There you go. We can uh, we can get uh, like the seventh place team from the AAC against the like URI. Just have like yeah. URI play like Northeastern. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Solve. Perfect. Sign me up. Perfect bowl game. Yeah. I think that's that's not too bad. Free Dunkin' Donuts coffee for everyone. You're willing to come get a Dunkin' Donut. You know, you get like the uh, the Munchkins. Get a Munchkin and a you can't give them a full donut. That'd be that'd be cost prohibitive. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like you know for some of this stuff, I almost feel like the bowl's going to become all right here, especially with this redshirt year, where you could, you know, it's like let's start our freshman QB. We redshirted because you don't no. lose the season. You know, like if right. you're. If you're a Michigan fan, would you rather watch Shea Patterson play or Milton play? You know, like, who do you want to see? You want to it almost like these things will turn into something else. A glorified and very costly spring ball. Spring. Game. I mean, most of the kids are there. It's just you're going to miss one guy. I'm not sure Rashawn Gary, like, didn't take off the Ohio State game, too. Um, <laughs> and a couple others. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're, you can play. It's not that big of a tragedy that, you know, one guy. I mean, even that list is only so long. We'll see how many more do it. But clearly, I, I remember McCaffrey saying later, I remember talking to him about it. And he's just like, it's really the healing pro. Like, you can rest and then train and, and you move your the combine so important, like healing up from his last game being Thanksgiving weekend and then being able to truly go into the the training of for the combine, uh, you know, four and a half weeks early is a huge advantage uh, where and it's not even I might get hurt. It's just like I'm going to get dinged up. I don't have control over my schedule and, and all of those things become a big deal. So I, I can't blame any of them, but I, I do agree. Uh, would like to see see them play. All right. Heisman coming out this Saturday. 
Pat, Tua versus Kyler, who you got? Huh, well, as a voter, I'm not supposed to say, uh, oh. but I will say <laughs> it was it was a very cough difficult once, call. Cough once if you like white sauce barbecue. Cough <laughs> twice if you like <laughs> burn ends. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> Got to do something uh, about that was, cough, was, man. I would say it was one of the hardest uh, Heisman choices I've had for a while. Between those two guys, and I threw Haskins in there. Too. First off, hold Both on, hold there. on. How do you like white sauce? That stuff's horrible. I don't like. I don't like white sauce. I was trying to follow the code, man. <laughs> I didn't know any code. I was just asking you. Well, barbecue. White sauce is terrible. You don't deserve a it. vote. No. Although I do defend it's mayonnaise horrible. against if you, you ever voted for that. that don't like it. Terrible. No. Terrible. Alabama no, does I, a lot of good things, but man, white sauce yeah. barbecue is not one of them. It's bad. It's very bad. I, I am anti white sauce wholly, but I do like Tua Tagovailoa as a football player and Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Really good crop. It's pretty funny. Last year, we had all those high draft pick NFL quarterbacks, and everybody thought, oh, the quarterback class is going to be down this year. No, the quarterback class is spectacular. So maybe not all draft eligible, but they're all really good. Pete, do you have a vote? I do have a vote, Dan. So I you know you disdain this, this, you disdain the voting. You can uh, you don't can, vote. You can get on that. You can get on your high horse and look down on Pat and I. I do, um, and this this segment yeah. absolutely stinks because you guys can't discuss it. <laughs> this is part of the problem. Yeah, great great um, segment. Why yeah, didn't was, you guys when a, I texted a, this? Why didn't you say? We can't discuss it because we're obligated to this Heisman committee. Dan, I think you learned should a long have, time I ago. Actually, brought up Pat the, the, brought it the, up. Yeah, it's the worst planning I, uh, I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know, I don't you know, I don't read the group texts. Sorry. So. <laughs> this is Let's like see, it's a good segment just so that you can rip us and rip the Heisman. So go my, ahead. Keep it's going. like my favorite current job in America is the spokesperson for the Mueller investigation, who every single time has no comment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I wanted that job. What is we can't discuss it because it's a federal investigation. Every question, every day, there's a story about this thing. The uh, spokesperson for the Mueller investigation had no comment. This guy just sits around, or woman, I don't know who it is. They never even name him. Just sits around and answers the phone. I have no comment. I have no comment. I have no comment. <laughs> Super secret Heisman. We can't discuss it. Good thing we only did the small sample Heisman. All right. Well, forget, scrap this. Poorly done. We can uh, we can dismiss Pete if he needs to uh, to run. Gentlemen. We'll see you, uh, Pat. This is a little sad. We don't have a uh, we don't have a race for the case this weekend. We do but not have a race. For our the case. faithful listeners should know there will likely be multiple podcasts breaking down the bowl, especially yeah. looking forward to the degenerate podcast where Pat and I argue about the New Mexico Bowl. <laughs> oh, and we will. We will. Oh yes, yes. Analyze the hell out of that New Mexico Bowl spread. No question. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. All right, it's a listener review section of the podcast. And uh, we've got a lot here. I was told to limit it to three. I'm going to break the rules. I don't know if you get a, uh, you're going to get a gift card though. Maybe just a koozie. I don't really think you people deserve much. Um, <laughs> really, just I mean, a Yahoo koozie goes a long way, man. Yeah, what more do you want? I, I, we sweeten this pot way too much. <laughs> the rules are, yeah, you have to go to uh, iTunes, figure that out. And uh, leave us a review. It has to be five stars, or you don't, you're ineligible for the for whatever swag we're giving. And um, because I, you know, you really want that koozie because you're drinking a beer with a Yahoo Sports College podcast koozie. You're really telling the world you, you don't care. You just don't care about anything. <laughs> it, it, you're projecting, and that's the point. I want to project that. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> it is the. I D G A F projection. Yes, absolutely. We all aspire for. So, all right, here we're gonna we, we're gonna go with these. All right, here is uh, Ida Guy, I D A G U I. You uh, you win. Congratulations. Uh, here we go. Dark Hearts, funny stuff. That's his titled. That's true. This is pretty <laughs> much as close as a podcast gets to replicating what sports writers act like when there's nobody around. <laughs> i mean we really don't uh we'd swear more yeah right 180 degree departure from an espn podcast with no kissing of backside so god bless yahoo for not being in the nca's payroll and allowing these degenerates to shred anybody they see fit 
and celebrate the true heroes like the guy who blew up the bathroom at Willie's Chicken Shack on Canal Street. <laughs> well done. Please keep going during basketball season, you filthy animals. We will. Uh, uh, all right. The Fighting give that Shaws. Man a koozie. Yeah, that, that person needs a koozie. The Fighting Shaws. Doing it for the merch. Ah, see, I, I'm fine with that. Just be honest. Yep. Great show, gentlemen. As someone who is, I am sure, a minority in your fan base, female millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Not really probably our sweet spot audience, but glad to have you. No, but thank you. Yeah, we'll take whatever we can get. Uh, issuing me a coo the koozie would be a brilliant strategic play. Unlike my peers who aspire to sell watches and weight loss tea on Instagram, I've set myself <laughs> my sights higher and am aiming to be a college football podcast influencer. Think of the new listeners you could bring in and all the references to 60-something SEC coaches of yore that could be missed. I leave it to your good judgment. Keep up the good work. You win. Congratulations, yeah. Fighting Shaws. Impressive. That's some Stanford-level IQ right yeah, there. Yeah, right there. Billy Manziel's older brother. <laughs> Your win. Come for the beer review. Stay for 40s laugh. Had to YouTube how to leave a review on iTunes so I could get an autographed empty Bush light can from Wetzel. I would sign that, but you got to send me a full one. <laughs> send it full. It comes back empty. That's the way it works. <laughs> it works. All right. The witty and angry commentary about coach and staff fights, college football's man of the year, and finally, the say something nice section that somehow ends up as nice as Coach Gundy's post game press conferences. I can't wait to see how you incorporate Bobby Petrino and his staff of in laws into next year's show. Uh, there's even more good stuff. Uh, Billy Manziel's older brother. All right, let's take one more. All right, we'll do this one. Swag me an Amazon gift card and a t shirt. Backyard Randy. With the winner here, Backyard Randy. I have been fired from three various jobs this year because my bosses have caught me listening to the podcast at work. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely, but we'll take it. There's no way you get three jobs, Backyard Randy. No one's hiring you three times, maybe once. Maybe. I can't help it. You guys are hilarious. Give great insight. At least I am able to hold down a part job, Todd, job on the weekend when the podcast is not on. All right, there you go. We'll do more next week as we go. All right, if you're a winner there, if I named you, uh, email podcasts at yahoosports.com, podcasts at yahoosports.com. All right, now uh, I was supposed to give a big reveal where we're doing the live show on, uh, I can tell you it's January 4th. I can tell you it's 7 p.m. I can tell you it's in the greater San Jose area. I cannot tell you where. We are still in negotiations Pat Forty is demands. He's like a diva. It's like <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Like you can only have certain color M&Ms in her room or something like that. You know, she's he's Beyonce of this group. Right, Pat? Yes. Yes. My uh, my waiver list or whatever the heck that's called. Yeah. That celebrities have. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, it's a very, very long list and very detailed. So it's going to take them a while for them to meet all of my demands. All right, so we can't do it, but we will get to it. Next week. So listen then. Come back. Keep subscribing, obviously, uh, to the podcast. We're going to uh, remain highly entertaining as this goes forward. We will talk to you guys next week.